The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me, the door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. We, um, our gospel reading is really connected closely with yesterday's reading. The disciples said, Jesus teaches how to pray. And so yesterday was really the words and the format to use. And today Jesus is describing something with regard to our motivation and how we should approach prayer. Now, how many times have we read this part of Luke, uh, this description of the friend who's asleep and, you know, the visitor comes in the middle of the night? Um, do we really dwell on that part or do we go right to the ask, seek, knock? That's, those are the words we're really looking for, some fulfillment uh, some assurance and confidence that our prayer will be heard. But I was really thinking about uh, this part about the neighbor. Um, it only shows up in Luke. So this is a unique parable that Jesus is trying to tell us something. And so we, it's really important that we truly try to delve into that the first thing that struck me is we see the word friend quite a few times. And maybe for us in our secular world, the word friend kind of distorts what we really should be looking at. So I, again, wanted to see, well, what, what was the interpretation of this word, this Greek word, which is philios? And it has a unique, much different definition than we might think of when we uh, talk about friendship. Um, it's used twice in, well, multiple times in the Old Testament, but two that really represent the way the Greeks thought about friendship. The first was a quote from 2 Samuel about David and Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul, and of course Saul was trying to kill David, and the the uh, reading says, Jonathan made David vow again, 
because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. It's, it's a deeper feeling of friendship than maybe what we think of today. The second time is in Exodus. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. It's something deeper. Um, I, I read that Greeks believe that a man could have only a few real friends, philios, and that a pair of friends was the true ideal. The qualities, they said, the first friendship could only exist between good men, men who lived pure lives, free from greed, lust, and violence. Friends had complete agreement on all subjects and goodwill toward one another. Friendship was based on love. Friends would not ask one another to do what was wrong and only did good to one another. Permanence and stability in friendship were the product of mutual loyalty. Aristotle defined a friend, this philios, as one soul inhabiting two. It's a deep connection. The supreme duty of a friend was to sacrifice himself for his friend. Similar to what Jesus said, to lay down your life. That's what this philios is. So there's a different a different connection between this uh, person that had the visitor and this friend who's asleep. Made me want to dig a little deeper into the second part of this. And again, I, these words that only show up once in the whole Bible are really interesting to look at. And it comes in what is defined as persistence. He will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. Well, the Greek word is anaedia, anaedia. Uh, it doesn't really appear to be well-defined. Persistence is where we got the definition because of the, the second part, ask and knock and persevere. So they really kind of thought, well, what is the definition for this? Um, as I look it up, and a lot of scholarship says that the word really should be shamelessness. And we see that in some uh, translations of the Bible. We don't read it in ours, but shamelessness. And the other interesting thing is, who does it apply to? Um, we get the feeling in the way it's been constructed in our scripture that it's about the person that's asking but you could argue that it's really about the person that was asleep. He gave the loaves because he didn't want to be shamed because he didn't. So you can go either way. And if we, if we start to say that Luke is trying to tell us something much deeper, if we just for a minute stay on the side of it's really the person that's locked in their home, uh, the person that has the loaves of bread. It's really the quality that he's looking at. It really opens up this scripture a whole lot more for us. As I was trying to think about what does shamelessness mean? It's not something that we 
hear a lot. That's not a popular word, shamelessness. Well, I'm staring at this definition, and shamelessness, this Greek word, is a compound word. It's made up of three separate um, components. The first is the letter A. The next one is without. And the third is shame. As I'm staring at this, literally, it's <laughs> for the very first letter A, it says A, as in the Greek alphabet alpha, like Jesus Christ is the alpha and the omega. If I, re if I read this definition of shamelessness, literally, it says Jesus Christ without shame. We really dig into that. The crucifixion was termed the tree of shame. And what did Jesus do? He obliterated it. He turned shame, the most shameful death possible, into glory. Shamelessness. That's, that's what Jesus is. He is the ultimate of shamelessness. Now, I can't miss the other pieces of this. I keep thinking, okay, who is this friend? Uh, he's asleep. So how often did Jesus say that when someone was dead, he's just asleep? He's asleep with his children. We have to become like children to get to heaven. We're praying to the Father in heaven, and who's answering the call? This last line really says, I tell you, even if he will not get up to give him the loaves just because he is a friend, a filios-type friend, yet because of his shamelessness, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. It's Jesus Christ who's there. He will give it to us because of our friendship, that we've built up, or he will give it to us because he conquered death. And he is going to give us what he needs because he loves us. He showed how much he loves us. The loaves, three loaves, the Trinity. It all fits to when we look at this section, what a reassurance it is. It's not just a neighbor and a simple set of needs that we have for a friend that visits. It's how we know that our prayers are heard and answered by Christ. The ultimate shamelessness who conquered death. He's the one answering. He's the one interceding for us to the Father. And so we should have confidence and that's what I think Luke was really trying to tell us through Jesus' words. When we think about Jesus told this story, Luke sees the real benefit of how this will be with us and give us strong confidence as we go to him for prayer.